This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. And, uh, people are still fired up, so let's get back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. To me, it is absolutely preposterous that the Knicks as an organization, after knowing how the story went, that they are still would be thinking or weighing or considering retire Carmelo Anthony's number. Now, I will grant you, back when they acquired him, if you had said, hey, Gordon, you know, 10 years in the future or whatever, how many years it is, uh, do you think that they'll retire Carmelo Anthony's jersey number to the row? Well, yeah, I think that there's a really good... I mean, the highlight of the Melo era might have been that video, I'm coming home. Oh, my God, that got you fired up. You were pumped up. And then it was pretty much kind of like... I wouldn't say off the cliff downhill from there, but it, I don't feel like it had ever matched the, uh, the same apex. I don't feel like that. That felt like crossing the Rubicon of the good times. But I, I got to, I guess, different perspectives, but I have not heard one reasonable case for why you would retire Mello's number. Yes, he scored a lot of points while he was here in the six-plus six years that he was here of his 19-year career. But he is not somebody who is a great, all-time Nick great. And you can be a great player and not necessarily be a great all-time of whatever team you're talking about. It doesn't make sense. All right, let's go back to the phone, shall we? 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Joseph is on Long Island. Joseph, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. So I, don't, I was calling to defend um, the retiring of Melo. Okay. Um, I think he was one of the most uh, clutch players in history. Um, I do, I'll be realistic. I would like to say he's top three Knicks players of all time. And what? real quick, jo- I don't Joseph, may I just ask a quick question? How old are you? Yeah. I'm You're how old? Oh, 26 no. years old. How, this is the, the, I still can't hear you. 26, did you say? No, I'm I'm 36. 36. Okay. All right. Yeah, and he's my my favorite player of all time. I'm not going to say he's one of the best, but he is top nine in scoring. And as far as the Knicks, the Knicks were horrible when he before he came. Um, Amari Stoudemire was the MVP, and we all know what happened to his career after Melo came. So he really never had anyone to play with. And the last caller kind of stole uh, the last caller kind of stole my thunder. Um, if if Melo did have a like Amari Stoudemire healthy, I think they would have gave the Miami Heat a good run for their money, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they beat the Miami Heat with the healthy Stoudemire. Okay, but but they didn't. I understand what you're saying. Like you're you're playing the hypothetical game. If this had happened, if that had happened, right? But we're we're just weighing the, what did happen and and Melo's part in it. And and look, he was a, he was a good player. He was a great scorer while he was here. Uh, but that was that was that's all he did. He didn't all play defense. And I get why. I, sorry, yeah, horrible. So I got to give you that. I won't even defend his I'm on the defensive end. But his clutch factor. His clutch his, factor. His they, wise, he's one, yeah, he hit a lot of game winning shots. You know that Easter Classic he hit. He had a lot of game winning shots that were amazing. Melo in the clutch is one of the best all time. That's why I'm saying like him being retired. I don't really go against it too much because he gave us some memorable moments, even though most of them were in the regular season. But I, I don't want to really, like, throw the whole guy's career away because he didn't perform in the postseason because he played with trash in the postseason. That first but he was of- playing with trash the whole time. You're telling me he's clutch at some times, then he's not clutch at other times. Then maybe the clutch stats don't really matter that much. 
Well, he had to be in a situation to be clutch. Against the Heat in the first round, that first time he went against the Heat, they got slaughtered. It wasn't a chance. He was taking every shot up the court. I remember watching every play. It was like Melo versus Dwayne Wade and LeBron, basically. He was by yeah, himself. I, I get it. I, 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 all right, Joe. Thanks for the phone call. I, again, these are not really like you retire somebody's jersey for an organization when you, they are synonymous with what made your organization great. You just don't retire somebody's number just for the sake of, uh, of retiring it because they were a good player during a bad time. And if you do retire somebody who was a star for your team, I think you have to be a whole lot better than what Melo was in his time here. Again, he was a great scorer. I will grant you that. But that's all he gave you. He did not play defense. He didn't make anybody better. He wasn't like a leader on the team. Nothing, again, like the, the, the run that they had here, it was, it was not a run. It was a walk. It was like a, a, a quick skip, and that was it. Mike is in the uh, Bronx. Mike, go, my friend. Hey, Gordon. Um, I'm in agreement with you on not retiring Mello's number. I've always been confused by the fact that Phil Jackson re-signed him after uh, it came out that right. Phil Jackson had talked about him being a ball stopper on offense and whatnot in some HBO interview or something. And I was always confused as to why that happened. And, you know, Dolan giving him a mandate, but I don't see anyone giving Phil Jackson a mandate. Why, from your perspective, did Phil Jackson re-sign him? I would think that there had to have been, Mike, and thanks for the phone call, there had to have been pressure from within the organization. I know he's never said that. Uh, and I just remember that time. It did seem very odd. I guess they felt like, you know, he is a star. Uh, and our job is to um, build around that star. We don't want to just allow him to leave for nothing. But, yeah, that decision did not make a whole lot of sense at the time, the reasoning. But during the Phil Jackson years, there was a lot of that going around. <laughs> it, was a, it was an epidemic of things not making a whole lot of sense, including the hiring of Phil Jackson. Uh, Bobby is in New Jersey. Bobby, go, my friend. Gordon, how you doing? I'm good, Bobby. What's I going on? I couldn't agree with you more. And I couldn't agree with you more. And the point you make about – because you know, I thought when the trade happened for Camillo Anthony that he actually ruined the team for the price that it was. And they almost did it again with this uh, Donovan Mitchell. Wonderful player, but think of all the players they would have lost. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other point, one, uh, and one other point, the player that they missed out on that, that, that was feared in the league on a fantastic offensive weapon was, um, oh, what's his name, the bald-headed guy from, from uh, Supersonic, um, Xavier McDaniel. They let him go. I got news for you. That that was the year they should have got it. They, Xavier McDaniel put fear in Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. They were all afraid of Xavier McDaniel. I was at the court. I was there in 94. I'm telling you, that guy, they, if they would have kept him and not let him go to the Italian League, they would have won a championship that year. Yeah, uh, and they and they moved off. Uh, as, I mean, X-Man had a great season that year for the Knicks, and he did kind of give them an, an attitude of defense and toughness and everything else, uh, and that was when they brought in uh, Charles Smith, I think, the next year. That was kind of the replacement. And also, also the league back then, you say, you know, Ewing didn't play with great players. Charles Oakley was a great player. And the, the guy's a 20-rebound guy, defense, but that was what the league was back then. It was all defense. You look at those Detroit Pistons and the Chicago uh, Bulls team also that had to learn how to play with toughness. You know, that was what the league was back then. Yeah, 
I mean, look, they never uh, – and Bobby, thanks for the phone call. They never put another all-star around um, Ewing. Uh, that, that was the problem, uh, even though they – bringing in Pat Riley was the right move, and, and they did find some pieces, uh, you know, John Starks and, and Anthony Mason and the like, but um, they were just not able to, to find the, the right pieces to put around uh, the centerpiece, which was Ewing. And, again – when they drafted you, and when they when not even they drafted, when they won that lottery, man, it was like oh, it was good. It almost felt like what it turned out to be for the Bulls. You, you thought that that's what the, I'm not saying six championships, but it was going to be multiple champions. The, the Knicks were going to be the centerpiece of the NBA now, and the whole league is going to run through New York because they got Patrick Ewing, they got the big man, uh, and it never it, it never transpired that way, unfortunately. Uh, Marcus is in Brooklyn. Marcus, go, my man. Hey, what's going on, man? Nice what's going to, on, Marcus? Uh, what you got? The first time listener to ESPN, at least uh, this time. Happy Memorial Day to everyone for veterans. Thank but you very much, Marcus. Same to you. Um, I do agree with you um, as far as, uh, you know, the, you know, uh, yes, they should retire his uniform, yes, in Syracuse and not the NBA. But we fail to understand, like, this is not the NFL where you just play, you know, either you're a wide receiver, you play offense, you play defense. This is you play. You gotta play two. You know, you gotta play two positions. I mean, there's a dedicated, you know, one position where yes, you play offense, and that's called DH in the American League. You know what I'm saying? In the NBA, you have to play two things. So as far as like, you know, you said yeah, or not you, but like most, you know, most calls are agreeing that yes, Syracuse, and but you know, Hall of Fame, yes. I I, I don't see it. It's like with Allen Iverson. When Allen Iverson just the same type of player. Like, you know, give him the rock, me, iso ball, me, me. But the difference with I, Allen Iverson with the Knicks, at least Iverson had Matumbo, uh, Eric Snow, he had McKee. He had a team. Now, the second, uh, I guess the second point I want to do across is this whole thing with uh, Randall, I'm really good with body language. It's one of the few gifts that I have. But this entire thing with Randall, I saw this coming. And I'm just surprised why Tom Thibodeau, has, still hasn't gotten his pink slip. Believe me, he'll be fine. He has probably $40 million under his pillow. So we, none of us should feel sorry for him. But he allowed, and two things, with that, with this whole, um, the Knicks last season. That whole Fournette, when I keep hearing, I, I've been heard Stephen A. Smith say, I don't understand why Fournette, they didn't put him in. Fournette, not Fournette. Yeah, Fournette, yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm thinking about freaking the Tampa Bay uh, running back. Uh, right, right, I got attack. you, go ahead. Yeah, 100%. But, like, he uh, – you know what I'm saying? Like, he completely – it almost felt as, like, Randall was me, 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 me. You could just tell by his body language. When he would come back, he wouldn't share his players. But the times that he would go with these outbursts, right, it's kind of like – and believe me, he's like a, he's a big dude, man. Like, you know, when he, he, no one would want to confront him. So it almost felt like if Tom Thibodeau was afraid of Randall to put him on check. And for well, that reason – he, well, allowed, look, look, Marcus, he allowed that to happen. Yeah, I hear you. And, and when you are, he, he, Tom Thibodeau is dealing with the 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 um, what you know what's on his plate, right? And thanks for the phone call, Marcus. Right. Um, and, and he's got to he's got to get the best out of what he's got. Uh, and when he came in here, the best of what he got was Julius Randle. He made he he allowed Julius Randle to be that number one option. And you know what? That was the right call. Julius Randle has been better for Tom Thibodeau than he has been at other times in his career. Now, the second year with Tom didn't work out so well, kind of a little bit of a fall off. This past year, 
He was back to an all-star level player. So to, you know, this idea that Tom Thibodeau is, is responsible for all the things that have gone wrong for the Knicks is uh, you, you guys really got to come back down to earth. Tom Thibodeau is not going anywhere. He is the coach of the team. Now, if the team falls off at some point or if the team scrapes up against the ceiling of what it is and, and you got to get somebody else to take you over the finish line, maybe that's possible. Sure, that happens in sports. But uh, the idea that, you know, the, the, the problems of the Knicks are, are Tom Thibodeau uh, and his relationship with Julius Randle, I think you just need better players is what the, the actual issue is. And, and to, to his Carmelo Anthony point about him not being a Hall of Famer because he only did one, there were eight people in the history of the sport who have scored more points than Carmelo Anthony. Clearly, he is a Hall of Fame player. That, that part of it is not up for debate. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more of your phone calls. Plus, we have to touch on the Yankees. Yankees got to win today. Beat the Padres at extra innings. Exciting. A lot of people have been excited about what they're seeing with the Yankees the last few weeks. Uh, I got to be honest, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not among them, so we'll touch on that coming up next. And plus, there was, I don't know, nobody else has talked about this at all that I heard. There was a superhuman display last night at Yankee Stadium. Nobody has touched on this. The only, exp- the only possible explanation was that there, were, there is a real-life superhero that walks among us. Superheroes are real, and they were at the stadium last night. I'll explain what I mean coming up next. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Uh, I did want to bring up that a story I don't see, I haven't seen it anywhere. It was underreported for sure that superheroes live, live among us. And it was on display last night at the stadium. Did anyone else, maybe nobody else noticed it. Maybe it was right in front of your eyes and you didn't see it. Last night, the game at the stadium, the Padres won. Juan Soto hit a ball about as hard as anyone can possibly hit a ball. It's as hard as he he has ever hit a ball. Think of all the home runs that Juan Soto has hit. The exit velocity, the exit velo, as the kids call it, was 114. It's the hardest hit ball of his career. That was not the superhuman feat. No, that ball went into the second deck of the stadium and absolutely Beamed a woman right in the head. See ya. That ball was traveling so fast. And and look, I um I, I did my research. I watched that clip a thousand times over and over again watching it. There was a guy who was standing in her way. It's the reason why she didn't see it. He was going to try and catch the ball. He jumped. By the time he processed, the ball is coming towards this section. I am in line to catch this ball. By the time he actually jumped, the ball was already past him. It was already gone by the time he mistimed his jump. And it absolutely just right square, right in the head. Bing! It was like a ping pong ball. That is not the suit. The fact was, though, I I kept watching the clip. The woman was fine. Now, maybe it was a different woman. I I did watch. I was like this computer film watching this thing over and over again. Hit this... I couldn't get over. If that had hit me, I would have been down for the count. 
there would have been a little plaque on the seat. This is where Gordon died after getting hit with Juan Soto's 114 exit below baseball. It was that hit. It was not quite uh, Bonds against Ted Lilly from back in the day, it, but it was not far off. It was an absolute missile. And 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 think about this poor woman. Not only does she does the ball hit her, comes out of nowhere. She's not expect the section she's sitting in. Nobody hits balls there. Certainly not like that. It felt like it was still kind of going up. It was hit so hard. Nobody hits balls there. So she gets hit with the ball. That's got to be a real downer. But then everybody in the section is crawling over her carcass to get to the baseball, including her boyfriend or her husband. I'm not sure which one it was. I did not do that much research. I did watch the clip over and over. It was handy. It was right on my iPad with the Apple TV. I just 15 seconds back, 15 seconds back, 15 seconds back. Whew. It was, it was, it left like a vapor trail. What do you call that? Contrails? It felt like it left contrail, like an airplane in the sky. So that woman, whoever she is, she is an absolute superhero. To take that one on the head the way she did. And two seconds later, she's up, she's talking. I don't know whether or not she has any memory of it, but that's, that's, uh, that's on her. Um, all right, so let's talk a little Yankees. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Did I do the Kia read? All right, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend brought to you by Kia. Make your summer special. Visit Kia.com. Kia, movement that inspires. Juan Soto has movement that inspires you to move out the way unless you don't see the baseball. All right, um, the Yankees. They win today. I've heard a lot the last couple of weeks about See, these are the Yankees. The Yankees are much better. It was the injuries, that's all. The Yankee lineup, it's, it's just because guys have been hurt. See, Cashman's doing a good job. Boone's doing a good job. Everybody just overreacted to the bit of a slow start and the fact that they, they, they weren't scoring runs. No, no, they're actually really, really good. Well, here's the thing. I've watched enough, ba- I haven't watched the most baseball I'm only uh, 52 years old. I'm sure people have seen more baseball than I have. I've seen enough baseball to know this Yankee lineup is not good. And the only reason that it's okay is because the Yankees have the best hitter in the sport. Aaron Judge is the best hitter in baseball. And it's not a coincidence. Yes, when when the best hitter in baseball is hitting a home run basically every day, yeah, things look a whole lot better. Now, that's, that's the plan forward. If the Yankees want to be really good like they played that recent stretch where they were playing really well, they just need Aaron Judge to just hit home runs. Basically, every he can have one day off, but he has to like have a two-run double those days. Every other day, he has to hit a home run. So as long as Aaron Judge, who is the best hitter in the sport, hits home runs every single day, they'll be fine. It's weird when he doesn't hit home runs every single day. It's almost like they struggle to score runs. And it might have something to do with the fact their lineup is terrible. It's a bad lineup. They got like four or five guys who are actual hitters. Glaber's okay. Rizzo's fine. Bader has overperformed. And that's basically it. It's nice that LeMahieu finally did something today because that guy has been a shell of the player. I mean, the first two years, and I'll be the first to admit, I thought you got to bring back D.J. LeMahieu. He's been awesome. Those first two seasons, he finished, what was it, third and fourth or second and third in MVP voting in the American League. He was, I think it was third or fourth. 
in both of those years. And he has been average at best, average at best. So maybe if he can start getting going to be what he was those first, I mean, it seems like a big leap to get back to MVP levels when he, the last three years, he's been injured a lot and he's been average at best. But the rest of the lineup, oh my God, every single day, Willie Calhoun is the DH. A DH, simply a hitter. We just need somebody to hit. That's all they got. They don't got to feel. They don't got to run. Just hit the baseball. And we got Willie Calhoun, who's got like a 230 batting average and is slugging barely 400. It's not a good lineup. And I hate to be the first person to bring it up. I'm sure he will be fine in time. But the Yankees have Anthony Volpe, who has shown glimpses at times. But he's replaced IKF, and at least offensively right now, he's kind of IKF. They need impactful bats. And, and at some point, I'm sure they'll get back Stanton. Hopefully when he gets back, he stays back. And hopefully when he gets back and stays back, he gets back to the player he was a couple of years ago and not last year. But the Yankee lineup is not good. They get no offense out of catcher. They get no offense out of left. Do you realize the Yankee left fielders this year have hit a slash line of 199, 271 on base, and a 326 slugging percent? It's the second worst in baseball. Their catchers are 197, 257, and 329. The bottom of the Yankee order is brutal. Their sixth place hitters this year, 183. Seventh place hitters are hitting 168. And I'm giving you batting average, which is not really a great judge of things. Trust me, all the other numbers would make a billy goat puke as well. They're all terrible. The lineup, it's been clear for a while, is overly reliant on Aaron Judge. If Aaron Judge is rolling, Yankees got a chance. If he's not, if he's just like good, if he's not like out of his mind, they're going to struggle to score runs because it's too reliant on him. And to be clear, before you call up at 1-800-919-ESPN and, and, and give me the same old mantras as, as, as every other time, this is not a product of being too home run reliant. Stop saying, oh, Yankee lineup is just too reliant on home runs. No, they don't have enough home runs. They need to be more reliant. They have, they're too reliant on bad hitters. That's the problem. It's not home run or bust. It's just that they have a lot of bust hitters who couldn't hit home runs or anything else for that matter. <sighs> Got that off my chest. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. We've got to uh, Ziggy is in New Jersey. Ziggy, what's going on, my friend? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Ziggy. What's going on? Um, I'm just calling about LeBron James basically like saying that he's retiring when Oh, nobody he's believes 0% that. Zero percent not retiring. No, and nobody he's doing it to shift him being swept. And this is not my uh, like thoughts, Gordon. Like YouTube is going crazy about this, and uh, I just wanted to hear your opinion. No, I don't think any. Does anybody actually believe that that he's gonna? I don't think anybody. Look, Ziggy, this is all you need to know. We take calls all the time from 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 callers. We we interview people. You know, all the shows around the clock. I don't think that there's been a – and all the calls are not great. There's people that call up with really weird things to say and really weird points, and, and we love those people. But I don't think a single person has called up any of the shows from top to bottom, from Rick and Dave in the morning to Larry and I at night, and said, you know what, I think LeBron James is going to retire. I don't think a single person believes that. So do you think that it was because he's trying to shift the narrative of being swept? 
Uh, I'm sure, I, I don't know what his motivations are, but I'm sure there are motivations. I know that he is being followed around by the uh, same documentary crew that did the, the, uh, the last dance on Michael Jordan. So maybe this is the opening of the documentary before the, maybe next year's the final season. And he's setting up the wait, narrative wait, now of, oh, this is my with, final uh, year that I'm going into. I don't know. Wait, wait, but Gordon, doesn't he want to play with his son? That's always been the story, but who knows? Maybe he may, you know, maybe he's had enough. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what his motivations are, but I'm sure that he is, he is, I'm sure he is angling for um, leverage in some way, shape, or form. But, but his son is entering college this year and then next year. So that would be two years from now. I think that he's going to play with his son. Like he's a great father. I'm not disputing that, but he's totally angling the story about him being swept. Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, whatever he has got to tell him. So again, I'm sure that I don't know what his motivations are, but I'm I'm pretty sure, Ziggy, and thanks for the phone call. It's not that he's going to retire, and, and nobody has thought he was going to retire. No, no, but nobody has. T- <laughs> no, I have not seen a single person's like, oh, you know what? I think LeBron is actually going to step away. So thanks for the phone call, Ziggy. Yeah, I, I think that LeBron will be back. Maybe this is angling so that he has more. I would think that at this point, LeBron has all the power that you could ever possibly have. But maybe he feels like he's got to float this out there so whatever moves that he wants to have made this offseason are made. If that's Kyrie Irving, if that's some other player somewhere else, it's hard for me to imagine that anybody anywhere would say, you know what, we just got swept. We just kind of melted down in the series where we threw whatever we threw at the Nuggets did not work. You know where we got to go? Kyrie Irving. We need to bring in Kyrie, but maybe that's maybe that's the motivation. It has felt like that for a very long time. The Mavericks have said that they're going to bring Kyrie back. That they're not going to just after all they they gave up to get him. You would think that they're not just going to let him walk away for nothing. But who knows? Uh, I know with LeBron, uh, he is not going to retire. And whatever the motivation is for throwing that out there, there it has to be some sort of angle, some sort of work. Uh, but it's not it's not that he's actually going to retire. That that would surprise everybody if he retired. Uh, all right, back to the phones, 1-800-919-3776. Uh, Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, my friend? Gordon, my opinion of you just went up 100%. When you said that game six and game seven tonight, it reminded me of another occurrence. Different sport. I'll give you the sport, baseball. When did uh, that happen? Game six and game seven in one game. Uh, with the 2004 Yankees? No, 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 no. I'm going to go I, back 30 I'm guessing this is something that years. happened before I was even alive. But go ahead. Give it to me, Richard. Not 37 years. You were alive. In oh, I was alive. Yeah. No. Hey, that's a first. All right. What 37 years ago. Uh, the, the National League playoffs, the Mets were going against Houston. Oh, oh, oh 86. Six. Okay. Three games to sure. two. Gotcha. And who was pitching game seven that beat him twice already? Mike Scott. There you go. Yeah, that was a game six, game seven situation. This is his club. But for you guys, ESPN, you're praying for the Celtics to win tonight. What a bonanza you're going to have on Monday night? Are you kidding? Uh, uh, Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day game. At well, I would have. Like I, I get you, but it would have to be a. I, I almost feel like it has to be a close game tonight. These games have been such uh, blowouts. Now people are going to watch just for the intrigue, and then it'll lead into the NBA Finals. Are you kidding? No matter what happens Monday night, so all you need, ESPN people need, is to get to the or, or the ABC or 
the, uh, the sponsorship or the NBA. All they need is a game seven and everything Mother Nature takes its course because everyone will tune into the playoffs. Hey, talking about it, let's say Denver plays the uh, Celtics. Denver is – I don't think they were ever in the – I know they were never in an NBA final, and I don't think they were ever in an ABA final. I know they didn't win an ABA final, but that means they'd be going against the Celtics who have played, let's say, 25 NBA finals against a team that's never played in an NBA final. And I was trying to think, is that that ever happened in baseball? When the Yankees played the Marlins, the Marlins were in the 97 World Series, and when they played the Padres – in 99, I think it was, or 2000, whatever year, 99, let's say, uh, they were in the World Series in 84. So I don't ever, I don't think it's ever happened that much of a discrepancy, maybe with Montreal Canadiens against somebody. Maybe, maybe. a Canadian, I don't remember. But anyway, right. I thought that, I think that's kind of intriguing. Now, Carmelo, let's get to Carmelo. Right. Gordon, I've been watching the Knicks 60 years. I go back to, uh, to Richie Garin. Okay. I mean, Richie Garin. He you should have his Bob number retired before Carmelo. But go ahead. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to give that. Here's my story. You got Garen. You got Bob McAdoo. You got Bill Cartwright. Not even Bernard King. Now, Bernard King did the most amazing thing I've seen in any New York sports. He, t- he took single-handedly beat the Pistons in 84 in the playoffs and then took four Hall of Famers from the Celtics. Four. Dennis Johnson, uh, Parrish, McHale, and... Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Robert Parrish, all four of them, he took them to seven games. But for that, you cannot. He only played three, three, three and a half years, years on the short. Knicks. Can't hang his back. Great up, peak, today. not a lot, not enough, uh, not, not enough, enough time. Now, Absolutely. I'll say this about Carmelo: he was a better ball player than Bradley and Barnett. But because yes. those guys were, and really, basketball is all about winning. Those guys subjugated themselves when they became part of the Knicks, and that's how they, they went to three championship rounds. They won two of them. They went to uh, two Eastern Conference Finals in five years. So, I mean, you know, the, the Knicks were, that, that was it. You get in the NBA, you get NBA, you get your name hung when you win. Carmelo was a great scorer. Decent rebounder, not a good passer, and not a good defender. So I agree with you 100% there. He is not, he should not have his number hung on the rafters. But, you know, if they do, uh, listen, that's because, like you said, Leon Rose, and it'll bring right. money into the garden. It's not the worst thing. Money into the he garden. Did, I mean, he he didn't want to win with the Knicks. How, but he was I, more like, about himself. Yes. And the thing about, uh, uh, one last thing about uh, LeBron. LeBron, I mean, he's a great guy. I love him. I think much of him. Great everything, great father, great player, great, I think, great role model. But he has these tendencies to be a little self-absorbent. That time when they lost, uh, with uh, Kyrie was hurt and uh, Kevin Love was hurt, and the first reaction he gave, I'll never forget, he says, well, we had our two best players on the bench in their suits. I mean, you know, you can't say that to the other players on your team after you lose a final. You know, you just don't say that, even though it's true, even though everyone's thinking that. You as the leader and the best player of the team, you cannot say that. That's, that's a real slight at the rest of the players who came in for those guys. So Carmelo has these tendencies. He's, he's trying to deflect, like, hey, I have my own problems. I can't worry about us being swept, you know. I and he did do his best. What 38-year-old that you know plays 48 minutes? That's a, that may be no, the first time absolutely. in NBA history. That it, he was Jordan great. Did that. Yeah, he never was great did. in the first half, and then he kind of ran out of gas. Uh, uh, you know, he he's, saw that. he's 38 years old. Don't right. He, I, but, I mean, time. that's part of the he, equation. You know, great. Two he's points in the fourth him. quarter he, when Jokic is, is playing still, with five fouls, he's, 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 he's passing the ball off. Chains. He is still. And that, oh, that, no, he's great. 
He's, a, he's an all-time great. And maybe great. two athletes have been that great for that long. Absolutely. Maybe Brady and maybe, and not even Kareem, uh, Bill Russell. And Bill Russell didn't go past 13 years. So what Carmelo's doing is it's fantastic. I just keep LeBron, hoping he plays. not Carmelo. He's a joy to watch. Yeah. Always a pleasure. All right, Thank Richard. You, yeah, well, Thank you. All right, Richard, there you go. Richard, the, the, the names are getting a little hazy there, but uh, the points are still on point. All right. Um, yeah, look, I, I, and I'll be honest with you. I hope LeBron did – I don't want him to retire. I still like to watch him play, and he is a, he is a draw no matter. I'm looking forward for whenever that does happen so we can finally and definitively say, no, he was not better than Michael Jordan because that stupid debate has been going I, I mean, every year it pops up. It's like, it's, it's like baseball season. You get football season. You get hockey season. You get LeBron. Is he better? Is he better now? Is he better now? No, he's still not better. It's still, he's still not better. So whenever, whenever he does eventually retire, then we can finally say, yes, okay, fine. And it almost feels like the same thing with the, 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 um, the Carmelo thing. The people who think that Carmelo should have his number retired, they were not really um, mature enough to, to really remember back at that time. And it always comes up that the people who think that LeBron is better than Jordan, they're always the people that never really saw Jordan. They never really experienced that time because the people that live through the Jordan period and then live through the LeBron period there's very few of them that say, you know what, LeBron is better than Jordan. It's all people that did not really see Jordan. They're hey, looking at stats. Ah, it's this thing. It's that thing. Let me pick apart this thing and let me pick apart that thing. The people that actually lived through the Jordan time, they know who's the best of all time. And it's not LeBron. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more of your phone calls, the baseball, the Mets. we got to get into, too. Lots of stuff to do. And we're just getting rolling. Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. It, it was something to watch. It was something to behold. And, uh, man, to think that that guy was available at the trade deadline last year and the Yankees and the Mets did not seem like they were in on it at all. I mean, do you realize... Juan Soto is 23. He's still 23. And he was available. And neither team made a play for him. And it wasn't like it was even, oh, well, you're going to have to, you're going to give up prospects and then you're going to have to pay him. No, he's still not a free agent until 2025. Man. To think that that guy was available. Ah, we don't want to give up our prospects. Really? Are are your prospects going to be as good as that? Because he's 23 and he is still just absolutely killing the ball. And he had like that slow start this year. And people, oh, well, you know, see, shouldn't it? Maybe uh, the, the pitch clock is going to be what does him in. Eh, I don't know. He seems like he's doing all right. He did get off to a slow start, but he's still a monster, an absolute monster. So, like, if you ever ask, like, when was the moment that the Yankees stopped being the Yankees? Juan Soto, at the age of 23, became available. And the Yankees were not in play for a guy who, like, all the, stat- the, the stat projections of, like, this guy is like that guy. Go look at who he projects like in terms of career numbers. His, it's like Frank Robinson. It's like if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame, it will be an absolute stunner. But it is what it is. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike. I almost said Spike in Jersey there for a second. Old habits die hard. Spike in St. Pete. Next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Yeah, well, a couple of things. First, my respects to some guys that didn't come back uh, from the service uh, when I was around. And uh, so it's always a somber day. 
And uh, they, uh, the peace in this country at times allows us to talk on the radio, sometimes sometimes positively, sometimes we just babble on. But I, I thank everybody who allows us this. By the way, my wife just reminded me, uh, 20 years ago we were married at the Cafe Metro. That's in your town, if I'm correct. I have no idea. I know nothing. Like I have lived in Jersey for like 15 years now. I know 10 places and four of them are Chipotle's. Like I know nothing about what goes on outside my door. Yeah, it's right. It's right on the main drag. It's a vegetarian restaurant. We had a celebration there. Anyway, I wanted to say, you know, you always kid around. I'm being serious now. You bring people together. Jose and I have become, uh, we communicate a lot. We have similar interests. I'm twice his age. But uh, he's a, a great caller, and, you know, the seven or eight regular callers uh, that we don't have to name their names, we know who they are, bring good stuff to the table. You you guys are not really attract, not without sound, sounding self-aggrandizing, pretty good callers. So let me, let, me, let me get to the point on the Yankees. I was thinking, what would FanDuel offer on IKF with the game-winning hit today? But uh, that was after he got it. But I do think the Yankees are exactly what you said, and they'll wind up in the same spot. They'll lose five to two in the playoffs. Uh, they uh, they're just not constructed right, Gordon. And getting into the basketball, look, the MJ uh, the Lebron argument. Lebron has better skills overall, but he doesn't have that Kobe, Michael, uh, that killer instinct. And uh, one thing he would do, he would always go to any team and improve them by 20 games. So I love watching him play. I think he has plenty left in the tank, witnessed by the 31 points in the first half. And for tonight's game, and I went back and forth with Jose, uh, you know, via Twitter today on this, I really think Jimmy Butler, perhaps he's not the first or second best player between the two teams, but playoff performances, he's right there. I don't think you'll disagree with me. And I would expect Miami to pull it off tonight because Jimmy Butler could have a 28 point 14 assist performance they'll isolate him on a weak side and those shooters will just come around and you know you it's hard to beat a team four games in a row gordon it's tough enough to beat them three but uh, i really want boston to lose you may want miami more based on our age difference does that make sense uh no i always want boston to lose um like I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Heat, but I don't want. I, I could never root for the Celtics. Like the Celtics are the enemy always. They're the, always the number one oh, enemy. But you're about fifty-one, fifty-two. Yeah, years yeah, old. no, absolutely. Like I don't like seeing the Heat win. I don't like seeing Pat Riley win. Uh, I do hate the Heat, but it's it's Boston. It's bigger than the Celtics. Yeah. It's Boston. But I made a point this morning when and it's hard to believe. I know you know the answer. But when I grew up, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the, my formative years, a teenager, I think the Celtics won eight championships in 11 years. There was something like that. And they just won every year. And then Red Auerbach lit up that cigar. I'm sure you heard, heard mm-hmm. those oh, stories. Sure, yeah, yeah uh-huh. and, and it really, you know, and they had, you know, they had Bill Russell, who was the greatest winner of all time. I don't think anyone's come close to those numbers. But they always, you know, had other people coming in. When Kuzi Sharma went down, it was the Jones boys, and then they just kept bringing in guy after guy after guy, and they always beat you the same way. Halftime adjustments, and it was a 19-4 to run, and the game was over. But I'm looking forward to it, and I, I really expect Jimmy Butler to have a big game tonight, and I just can't stand Boston. So I'm a little uh, 
a little surprised that uh, you have the hate I do for Boston, as I was thinking you would be more Chicago, Indiana. Yeah, well, no, Miami. I mean, the, 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 but I see, and Spike, thanks for the phone call. The, the Bulls thing was exclusively Jordan. I don't hate the Bulls before Jordan. I don't hate the Bulls after. Like, it was just exclusively Jordan. I hated Jordan because he killed the Knicks all the time. Uh, Boston, it's bigger than the Celtics. Uh, it's just the fact that it's Boston. And I don't want to see a, any team anywhere come back from 3-0, first off, because you know what's going to come up. It's going to be all the videos of the Yankees blowing the 3-0 series lead against the Red Sox. And if I had to pick a team that I certainly wouldn't want to do that to come back from 3-0 down and be the first team to do it in their sport, it would be the team from Boston. The last thing I want to see is this. And look, you know, we, we talk about the Celtics as being these great, this great all-time organization. That's old. I mean, that's so long ago. Uh, I mean, they've won one championship since 86. I mean, it's forever ago. And, and most, of their, most of their championships took place before the merger. I, I saw a stat during the week that since the merger, the, the Celtics are more likely to get swept out of the playoffs than to win a title. Uh, I mean, it's, the idea that the Celtics are this great all-time organization, it's all based on the 50s and 60s. It's a long time ago. You know, you got to keep that up. They get the one title in 2008, and then before that, it was 86. And, and look, they had a great run. They, they won the three titles in the 80s, and but the 80s are a long time ago now. <laughs> you know, if you're a certain age like me, oh, the 80s, that's not that. No, it's a long time ago now. So um, the idea that the Celtics are some great organization all time, I mean, they have the titles because they won when it was, you know, the 50s and the 60s. But since, since uh, 86, they got one championship. It's not exactly the same thing. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN, New York.